Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the end of the end and the beginning of the beginning. So we, uh, 714 days ago, I uh, stood in front of you and we began a 100-week series, and today we conclude. Um, so what's that? What are we going to do next week? Next week I'm sleeping in. So, um, And you should too, since there's no Sunday school next week, or the week after that. We'll be back on January the 6th. But uh, talking about the end of the end, if you've got your handouts there, we're going to look at really quick uh, where we've been the last uh, 100 weeks. So we started off in the Old Testament, and we looked at a five-week series in the beginning, and that was basically the creation of all things. Um, how did it all get started? There wasn't really a big bang. There was a big word. And, uh, and, and God said, and it was. And uh, then we look, I'm just going to go through into the Old Testament, and then we'll switch to the New Testament. Uh, we looked at Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and if there's a root story in the Bible, this is it. This is kind of where the, the nation of Israel began. And then the story of Joseph, how God can use one man to change a nation. Uh, Moses in the Exodus, uh, leaving slavery and, and starting to follow God. And, and for me, this is the, the kind of the, I know the nation was birthed with Abraham, but this is we're starting to stand up a little bit. And then the law and the land, this baby steps of a nation where they go into the promised land and try to be what God has asked them to be. Um, <clears throat> then we get to the judges with leadership without a king and every man did what was right in his own eyes and that just devolved into awfulness. So the need for a king came up in the rise of Israel. And we have these kings with these awful character flaws. And the nation is getting bigger and stronger and bigger and stronger, but the character flaws are getting bigger and uglier and what we see is that results in the fall of Israel and these character flaws bring them down and they go back into slavery again. Um, then we looked at Psalms and Proverbs and just beautiful wisdom literature and how God can communicate in a variety of ways that are exceptionally gorgeous just to listen to and to read and then we ended the Old Testament with the prophets calling the nation of Israel back to the law, back to repentance, back to the what God wanted them to be. And we came to the New Testament, and we spent 20 weeks studying the greatest man who ever walked on the face of the earth. And we looked at the early years of Jesus, how he came to us, what he taught us, what he showed us, and in the final days of Jesus, how he loved us. Um, that he didn't just talk a good game, he actually finished the job. Um, we looked at the church is born and, and this baby steps of a new kingdom with Jesus' kingdom on the earth and the apostles and the disciples wrestling with what he told them and how they were supposed to live this out. And, and I've said it several times as we've gone through this 100-week series, but everybody always talks about, well, I want to go back and be like the early church. I want to go back and be like the early church. Well, they were awful. It was ridiculously sinful and ugly and, and awkward. and I mean, it was just bad. Um, if you don't believe me, just read Corinthians, either one. Pick your, pick your choice. Um, so then we switch over to the travels of the Apostle Paul, and the best way I could describe this was just evangelism on steroids. He just, he just took this whole concept of go to a completely new level and revolutionized the world at that time. Um, they looked at the letters to the early church. So this is, these are members with character flaws and, and how the apostles and the disciples dealt with that. And then we looked at letters to the early church leaders, how to lead in a loving way. And then the apostles teaching, living and loving. And then we conclude with this five-week series, the revelation, this great unveiling, this defleshment almost of Jesus Christ. You know, you've got God before time was with no flesh, and then he comes in the form of a baby in Jesus Christ, 
and then we see him again in Revelation, and it's just completely different. It is just completely different. So, so completely overwhelming that John, the, the man who writes Revelation, multiple times as he's going through the book, falls down on his feet and just begins to worship the closest thing, which was an angel. And the angel just keeps telling him, stand up. Do you not understand? I'm not the one you're supposed to be worshiping. Several different angels actually tell him this. And this is worship God. Now, this is the longest Sunday school series that I have ever even heard of. This was absolutely ridiculous. Um, I remember when I was praying back in uh, September of 2010 about this, uh, and, and God was just really impressing on my heart, yes, you're supposed to do this. I thought, really? Because this is crazy. There is no way that I will stick with this for 100 weeks. And the great thing was I didn't have to. Um, I prayed for other voices to come alongside and to speak. And I'll talk a little bit about that when we get to the end of the lesson today. But as we went through this, this series, we saw failure after failure after failure after failure. And I kept saying, there will come a day when Jesus Christ will fix it and he will make it right. And Revelation 21 and 22 is that day. So kind of switching gears now, the beginning of the beginning. This is not just the end of the end. Um, God the Father promised in Genesis 3 that one day he would bruise Satan's head. Well, Barry talked about that last week, this idea that the enemy has been defeated, right? But now there's still some work to do. There's still some things that have to be done. And in Revelation 21.5, Jesus promises that he will make all things new. And in today's text, that's what he does. Because we serve a God who keeps his promises. We serve a God who is exceedingly patient. We serve a God who loves us beyond imagination. And I'm going to pause here for just a second. And we serve a God who is not deterred by evil men's plans. Um, one of the... One of the things that's remarkable about the Bible itself is that God used flawed men to pen his word and to tell his story. Um, he even used flawed men to translate it from one language into another. Uh, many of you are holding in your hands a copy of the King James Version of the Bible or a new King James Version of the Bible. And if you ever study King James, it's really an inappropriate term. Albert used a phrase last night. We were talking about a, um, a very small percentage of people in the world that want to create a new translation called the Queen James and put uh, gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender language into it, which is just, you think we're going to address that too in Revelation 22. There's, there's parts of the Bible that talk about that. But if you looked back at King James's life, that would have been a pretty good term because he was a messed up guy. He was a raging homosexual and did all sorts of truly heinous things. And God used him to translate the Bible into a language that would blow up across the earth. So when a deranged young man walks into a schoolroom in Connecticut and murders innocent kids, that does not derail God's plan. And, and it is heartbreakingly awful. And we have to live in the brokenness of a world that is stained by sin and is scarred by all of this filth and sin and the result of the fall. But the reality is that a day is coming when Jesus Christ will make it all right. And, and I just want to take some time right now and just pray for those families in Connecticut because many of you are like our family. You have children. And I have no words here, right? I was on the phone Friday afternoon with one of my employees and 
we were talking about her performance review, and it was a great review, and that's always fun. Um, and she said, yeah, I just, I really, if we could end this early, I'd like to just go home and hug my kids. And I, and I said, that's awesome, cool, yeah, absolutely, no problem. I said, everything okay? She said, oh, you haven't heard. I said, I don't, uh, apparently not, what happened? And then she told me, and I said, wow, I, I want to go home and hug my kids too. Um, and, and it's just this evil that's in the world that will be dealt with. And I promise you, when it is dealt with, it will be dealt with in a way that it will never come back. It will be put in a place that is unreachable, and, and dare I say, even by God himself, because it is put away. God will not even go to that place. So the day is coming where he will fix this. So if we could just take a couple minutes and pray for those families. I'm just going to ask a couple different folks if, if they would uh, lead us in prayer. Zeke, if you would uh, start us off, and, and Barry, if you'd pray, and then I'll close and We'll just take a couple minutes and pray for those families this morning. Father, we thank you for uh, being a God that hears us in our brokenness. Thank you for being a God that cares about us and is concerned about us. And Father, I pray you would just shower your grace and your love on those families. Many of them will be attending church this morning. Father, I pray for those pastors that stand up and that they would have boldness and wisdom to speak your love in a way that would draw hearts to Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for those teachers in the school that have to go back, that you would give them wisdom and, and deep understanding into their students' hearts and minds so that they would be able to respond in a way that would glorify you. <coughs> Father, we pray for that community, that they would somehow and in some way be able to use this to draw closer to each other and closer to you. Father, we pray for the protection of our own children. And, and we know that that is not up to us. Father, we recognize that, that all things are filtered through your hand and we don't understand. But we are placing our faith and our confidence and our hope and our trust in the reality that one day you will make it right and that you will come back and that you will fix this place. And that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Father, now we ask for, for blessing and your love and your mercy and your grace to be showered on those families, those moms and those dads that are dying inside today. And Father, as the funerals take place over the next week, that men of God would stand up and proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for being a God that listens to us in our pain. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I think I began um, the series in Revelation saying, I am not an expert in the vials and the bowls and the trumpets and the 
plagues and all of those things, my personal belief at the beginning of this series is the same as at the end of this series, and that's the key thought for today, is that God will fulfill all of his promises in his time and in his way. And whatever that looks like, I'm good with, because it will be the right way to do it and the right time to do it. So, with that, Revelation 21. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And don't miss it, because he just fulfilled it right there. That was it. The, the planet that we are standing on right now will not be the planet that exists later, because this one will go away. And all of the evil that could possibly remember, be remembered with this one will go away because he will create a new thing. He will create a new heaven and a new earth. It says, For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and will be their God. And most people think that verse 4 is what makes heaven heaven. But I'm telling you, verse 3 is what makes heaven heaven. This is heaven, is being with God. Verse 4 says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. That is not what makes heaven heaven. What makes heaven heaven is that Jesus is there. Can you imagine this? I mean, how amazing is this going to be? To walk up and go, I just fall down and worship you. And maybe to have a conversation. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. See, verse 5 says, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I... What's the next word? Make, not will make, make. There will be a day where he will make all things new. In the blank is Jesus is always making new things. I thought about this for a long time this last couple weeks as I was getting ready for this lesson. What did Jesus do in Genesis 1? Well, he was integrally part of the creation of all things, right? And And then what did he do when he created man? He breathed the Spirit into man and created a new life. And then what does he do over and over and over every single day? He creates new believers. And and one day, there will come a day when he doesn't have to create any new things anymore. He'll be done with his creation. And as far as I can tell, this is the last of the creation of the new things. It will be finished. And he said to me, this is John, write for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, and these are my three favorite words in today's text. It is done. It is done. Now, when Jesus was on the cross, he cried out with a loud voice saying, it is finished. His work was finished. But everything is done here. It's all over, except for the rejoicing. 
I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. This ties back to Revelation 2 and 3 where it talked about the overcomers. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, everyone who walks into a schoolroom and shoots children and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And this is why hell is hell, is because God is not there. God is not there. And and when we think about the very fabric and the nature of the universe itself, Colossians talks about that, that in Jesus Christ all things consist. And I've mentioned this before, that if you talk to theoretical physicists and you ask them what holds things together, they will go, well, there's this thing called the strong nuclear force and the weak nuclear force. And if you ask them to describe it further, they will go, I really don't understand it. It just kind of all sticks together. The math doesn't even work while the universe doesn't explode. That's because Jesus is holding all things together. He literally is at the fabric of the universe itself, and God is not in this place. This is a place that is outside of whatever else God has. I, I don't know how this works, but Jesus is not holding that place together. It is different. So in verses 9 through 21, he talks about the new Jerusalem coming down. And, and those of you that are um, <clears throat> uh, science fiction fans like I am, don't freak out. It's 1,500-mile cube. It's not the Borg coming, okay? <laughs> resistance, <laughs> resistance is not futile here. You will enjoy this place, all right? This is totally different. He walks through and he talks about the construction of its walls of jasper and the, the street is gold. It's one street, by the way. It never talks about the streets of heaven. And it's like transparent glass. And in verse 22, it says, But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And this is some of the beautiful stuff that I love about the Bible. Because now we begin to connect all that stuff that happened in the Old Testament. It's, it's pointing toward, just in case you've read the first 65 and three-quarter books, and you didn't figure out that it's about Jesus, right? So the temple, there's no need for a temple because we have the Lamb, right? So what's next? It says, And the city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine, for the glory of God illuminated it. The reason he created the sun and the moon and the stars was to give us a picture of his own glory. He could have created a universe that needed no light, right? That was well within God's creative ability to have us all walk around in darkness and that be normal. This was simply an example to point people toward the glory of God, okay? Verse 24, and the nations of those uh, who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut. Remember when, when Keith talked about the door of heaven is open. That was so beautiful. Well, the gates of this city shall not be shut. So why would they not be shut? Let's talk about this for just a second. Because there's a heaven and there's an earth, right? Be going back and forth between the two. This is going to mess with some of your heads, okay? We will not stay in heaven all the time. Don't throw things. Okay? If we stayed in heaven all the time, the door, the gates would be shut. Something comes in and something comes out, and this is okay. All right? 
he'll make a better earth. And it won't have a C. And I don't know why he doesn't like C's the second time around, but he didn't like C's the second time around. So I couldn't figure this out. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it, but they shall by no means enter into anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. When you are saved, your name goes here. I hope your name is there. Revelation 22, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the middle of its street, singular, and on either side of the river was a tree of life. So I don't know how this tree works, but it somehow was growing under the river so that it was present on both sides, but it was one big tree. Reminds me of a movie I saw not too long ago. Nobody, really? What was the movie about the big tree and the life, and they were on a different planet, and they were mining something? It was Avatar, right? This big tree that works a different way. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he was different. That was like a few years ago. Oh, okay, sorry. So I'm a little slow on the movies, right? All right. So in the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. If you have never done a Bible study on trees in the Bible, I strongly encourage you to do so. If you start in Genesis, God uses a tree to illustrate to Adam what is right and what is wrong. Right? Here's the tree. that I give you the opportunity to go and eat and participate in it or not to eat and not to participate. They make the wrong decision. So what does God use to help cover up their nakedness? Leaves off of a fig tree. What does God use to place his son on to save the entire planet? A tree. What is present for the healing of the nations at the end of all things? A tree. They show up dozens of times throughout the scriptures. It's an amazing study. Verse 3, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face. <coughs> One of my favorite lessons in this 100-week series was the story of David and Goliath because, because I learned a new word. I learned the word champion. You remember that story? I learned the word champion. And the champion was the one that would stand in between two camps and fight on behalf of his nation. And that's what Jesus did for us on the cross, right? He stood between two camps and he fought and he died for us. So here we get to see the face of our hero, that's your blank, and our champion. And his name shall be on their foreheads. So I hope you're okay with prominent tattoos. Because you're going to get one. But everybody else will have one that's there, so it'll be all right, okay? It'll be in vogue, I promise you. There shall be no more night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. You see this repetitive faithful and true, faithful and true, faithful and true, so that when we have days like Friday, we can remember that his words are faithful and true and faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show the servant these things which must, take, which, which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw and heard these things, and when I saw and heard, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And the angel said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. 
And he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book. And I love that, right? The door of heaven is open, the gates of New Jerusalem are open, and the word itself is open. Heaven is a place of openness. It is not a place where things are closed down. It is a place of openness and transparency. Verse 11, he who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, this is Jesus talking now, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. We skip down to verse 17. It says, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let everyone who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely, because the gospel is for everyone. Everyone. And then verse 18, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And you don't have to go very far reading through the book that you realize you don't want that, right? And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the, lot, the part of the book of life, from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. And I can't think of a better challenge than what Barry brought last week. Get prepared, be prepared, and prepare others because Jesus is coming back to make everything right. So you say, Jim, what's the point? Well, God keeps his word. And this world and everyone in it is broken and needs Jesus. And if you thought I was going to get away without Jesus being a blank today, you are crazy. And Jesus will fix it all one day. So what do I do with that? Well, hear, read, study, memorize, meditate on, and apply God's word. Accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and look for his return. And before I tell you about our next Sunday school class on January 6, 2013, I need to say thank you to a few folks. So, I've got some stuff. Miss Carrie, do you have what I gave you? Yes, thank you. So I'm going to start with my beautiful smoking hot wife. <clears throat> the gifts are appropriate today. Okay? Thank you, babe. Miss Darla Skinner, come on up. Do you know the reason that many of you get prayed for? Specifically, she's right here. She never, she, she would skin me alive if she knew that I was going to do this, wouldn't you? She may still do it, I'm not sure. <laughs> she comes up to me afterward and she talks about how she treasures certain things. So what I did yesterday is I printed off the series. And many of you know that I have a teacher version of the notes and I have a student handouts. And the teacher version of the notes for two years are right here. Um, that's what we learned in two years. That's pretty cool, I think. So, Ms. Darla, thank you so thank much. Thank you. Mr. Justin Harness, my uh, setup and takedown master. Did you like sitting in a chair this morning? <laughs> this is the man. Now, I, you got to open it here, yeah. Um, <laughs> I tease Justin incessantly about his socks. I wear black socks or white socks, and that is it. So, <clears throat> Justin wears socks with design, so I am challenging you to find something that that matches. He has something. Of course he does. Of course he does. Uh, absolutely. All right, so 
rather than do kind of everybody individually, I need to get back to my notes because I'm going to skip something here. This is not good. Many of you know that I prayed uh, at the beginning of this series for ten voices to speak. Well, we kind of beat that. It was pretty good. So if I could have the following folks stand up. Terry Bolden, David Barber, Barry Cole, Tim Archer, Lori Drake. She's teaching me. She's teaching her own class this morning. It's Amy Bosen, Chandelier Chrisman, Terry Brown, who's actually at another campus, Keith Chrisman, Justin Harness, and Doug Skinner. And I found out last week that uh, uh, Mark Hamby taught his first Sunday school class at the uh, Society of Daisy campus last week. I'm counting him, too. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you. (laughs) About 35% of that book is them. Okay? It's not me. This is not my series. Um, I want to thank my class. Otherwise, this would be really awkward to me just walking into an empty room each week. That's kind of (laughs) weird. I have taught a Sunday school class to one person before. It was really awkward, too, so... Appreciate your spouses coming as well. Um, on the back table, you will notice a lot of stuff. What I would like for everybody to do before you leave is to start on the left-hand side. And for those of you that are <clears throat> left and right challenged, I wouldn't call any names. Um, the left-hand side is that side. If you have not read The Purpose Driven Life, please pick up a copy. That is what I, my gift to you today. The next book is, uh, uh, Wow. My utmost for his highest, Oswald Chambers. It's the modern version, so it's not the version that you'll like want to curse at him for because he's in <laughs> awkward writing. Um, the next are about 20 or so CDs. Some are Christmas, some are not. And the next are The Explicit Gospel, my Matt Chandler and Jared Wilson. If you hadn't read that one, I've been told it is ridiculously good. You don't get to start over there. You have to start on this side. So before we do our prayer requests, we have the last blank of the year. You ready? I'm going to close this because many of you thought that I skipped the last verse of the Bible and I did not skip the last verse of the Bible. We close this 100-week series with the last words of the Bible and the last Sunday school blank of the year. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And everybody said, Amen. 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 There you go. So, let's do our prayer requests at our tables, um, and then uh, make sure to pick up your gift. I don't want to take those home. I got them for you guys, so please do that. And thank you so much. Appreciate you guys.